I have a, a huge amount of anticipation for what's about to happen in the room and in many of your lives today. But I would, um, uh, it would be uh, crazy if I didn't set the page to tell you that this message is going to be tough on many of you. In fact, I'd say the lion's share of you today. Um, you're going to have a difficult time swallowing this message uh, because of the nature of the truth. This uh, comes home to all of us. Today, we're talking about learning to love like Jesus in the way that we forgive others. Oh, yeah, I got that down. That's so good. Yeah, I, I understand. Man, we're about to go there. Anyways, uh, today, I've learned forgiveness my whole life. Coming from a broken family, I've been, uh, I can remember countless times of, of abuse. Uh, I grew up in a, in a, in a home with drugs, uh, with abuse, uh, of rejection, abandonment. Uh, there were countless times, uh, and, I, and, and, and times where other people in my family would think that it was, it was just great fun. I can remember when I was in seventh grade, and uh, um, I'm calling my family saying, hey, I need, you, I need a ride, and my sister pulling up, uh, and me being there with uh, you know, this cute girl that I, I'm trying to entertain, and, and I'm trying to be all, all cool in front of my friends, and my sister pulling up with the window down and saying, you want a ride? And I said, that's why you're here. And she wouldn't unlock the car, and she said, I'll give you a ride. When you get on the ground and lick the ground. Oh, man, I wanted to kill her. Embarrassment. All I'm not doing that. Okay, and she'd start driving away. Oh, man, it's so terrible. And she would never leave until I licked the ground. Listen, siblings can do something that no one else has the right to do, and you have to learn forgiveness on a daily basis, but you still love them. Uh, but you have to learn how to forgive when you love someone. And uh, in, in the commandment that Jesus has given us to love one another, forgiveness is part of this. And there's gonna be embarrassment, there's gonna be shame, there's gonna be hurt. People are gonna step on places in your heart and in your life that you never invited them to go to. And uh, so today I'm gonna open with uh, probably the biggest verse of the day. And uh, this is uh, said by our Lord and Savior Jesus. These are not Tim's words. This is not a suggestion uh, today that I'm throwing out there to you. I believe that this is probably uh, rule number one if you want to enter heaven. It's probably the only scenario that, that um, we will say that's really not up for debate. You don't want to tithe? All right. This one doesn't have a whole lot of suggestion behind it. And so it's pretty weighty. This is said by our, uh, our Savior Jesus, and he said it this way. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, well, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others of their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Will not. Like, this is not going to happen. And so right away, I have to jump into like the, yeah, but like how extreme are we going with this? How, how, how minimal are we going and how extreme? And I'm, I'm hoping today that we can touch both areas. Here's one thing I've learned. I, I study people. It's what I love. I love watching people. I, I love human beings. More like it's fascinating to me. Unforgiveness is hurt in your life. It's deep. It creates uh, tension. It goes deep hurts that tension can literally physically cause sickness in your body i'm not like exaggerating some of you are ill today 
because someone hurt your feelings a long time ago. And now the reality of this level that I'm going into today, I want you to know that I had to eat this before I'm feeding it to you. So this is as difficult for me as it will be for many of you. There's a video that I'm going to show you of one of my favorite speakers. You may love her. You may hate her. Um, but her testimony is real. And it's about three minutes. And I wanted to show it to you, if you would. I was sexually, mentally, emotionally, and verbally abused by my father. As far back as I can remember until I finally left home at age 18. My father, whom I was supposed to be able to trust, who was supposed to keep me safe, raped me a minimum of 200 times. He would always threaten, like I remember him putting his fist in my face, like every time I would do something he didn't want, that threat was there. You know? He was a controller. Everything had to be his way. He was angry a lot of the time, and we all feared that he was always angry at us. I became ashamed of myself because of what was being done to me and I grew up very lonely. He took me with him to bars on Saturday night when I got into my teenage years where he would get very drunk and then he'd force me to have sex with him in the back seat of the car. A couple times I tried to tell relatives in the family but they all said they didn't believe me because they didn't want to get involved. So I guess when I finally tried to reach out to enough people and it became obvious nobody was going to help me, the police weren't going to help me, relatives weren't going to help me. I couldn't talk him out of it. I just finally settled in and thought, I'm going to survive. See, my father didn't just have a problem with me. He had problems with lots of women. And I'm happy to say that God gave me the grace to completely, 100% forgive my father. It took some time, but I was able to do it. And I had forgiven him, but I had not totally forgiven him. And I realized that when God asked me several years ago to bring my mom and dad and move them close to our home and take care of them until they died. And I thought, you have got to be kidding. I mean, at first I just rebuked it. I said, there is no way this is God. No loving, good God would ask me to do that. But I, by then, I had enough experience to know when God was dealing with me. And I also know that God never tells us to do anything if it's not going to work out for our good. Bought him a house, took almost all the money we had saved. Three years went by and there didn't seem to be hardly any change in my dad. And by then he was at the point where he would try to go to church occasionally on holidays with us. And, but he was still just as mean as a snake. And one Thanksgiving morning, my mother called and said, your dad would like you to come over. He wants to talk to you. She said, I don't know what's wrong with him. He's been crying for about three weeks. David, I went over and he looked at me and he started crying. And he said, I just need to tell you how sorry I am for what I did to you. And... Um, he said, I've been wanting to say something for three years, but I just wasn't man enough. I didn't have the guts to do it. And uh, my father, by the way, received Christ that day. We baptized him 10 days later. That man was changed. I mean, he actually became a sweet old guy. I could actually kiss him on the cheek and not be afraid. I was born again when I was nine years old. I prayed for my dad to die. That didn't happen. I prayed for my mother to leave him. That didn't happen. I prayed he'd leave me alone. That didn't happen. Where was God in all this? Why didn't God help me? I was praying. I was asking him. I was this innocent little kid being abused. Well, you know what? I don't have the answers to all that. But I know that I know that I know that God has redeemed me. And he has taken what Satan meant for harm and worked it out for good. And I'm a better person than I would have been had it not happened.
I don't know why hurt happens, but I know that for your sake to look more like Jesus, you've been hurt. You've been abandoned. You've been lied to. You've been rejected. And for some reason, beyond my understanding, it's, there is good in it. That sounds awful to say in the moment. But I want you to understand healing. I only understand healing because of what Jesus has done. See, I didn't know love. I knew pain. I didn't know love. I knew rejection. I didn't know love. I knew whatever you want to just feed me to in the moment. Let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus had 12 friends. One of them looked at him. He would become the leader of the known church, had the greatest responsibility of men on earth to make sure that the gospel reaches around the world and he would be in charge of it. His name was Peter. Peter looked at Jesus one day and said, I believe that you're the Christ and I'll go anywhere with you and I'll do anything with you. We're ride or die, Jesus. I'll be with you to the end. When Jesus was arrested, Peter was the first to pretend like he didn't know who the guy was, to save his own rear. Out of fear of what was going to happen to him, he betrayed the guy that he believed was God. And he would be the leader of our church. After Jesus was arrested, he was beaten. The scripture says that he was whipped 39 times. They put a cross on his back. People punched him. The scripture says they pulled out his beard. He, he was spit on. This is our savior. And he was led up to a mountain called Golgotha where they stripped him naked. Naked. The shame that you would experience in being naked in front of anyone. But in that moment, Jesus was abandoned by everyone that he had healed, everyone he had ministered to, everyone he had reached out and given his life for, and, and his closest friends were not there that day for him. He experienced rejection and was stripped naked in front of his mom and hanging on a cross with people laughing at him. He cried out a prayer that is unbelievable to me. And he said, Father, please forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. But Peter knew what he was doing when he decided not to be there that day because he was the one that said, I know who you are, you're God. And Jesus would forgive Peter so much, not just the guards that crucified him and took his clothes and gambled and mockery and hung a sign on the cross making fun of him, not just these people that were teasing him was he praying this prayer for, but he would forgive Peter so much for rejecting him and walking out on him that he would bestow upon him the honor of being the leader of the known church. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. I want you to understand that you have received hurt in your life. Sometimes by strangers, and sometimes by the closest people that you have loved. None of them happened outside of God's sight. 
And why would he allow his son to die? I don't know. And why would he allow you to go through rejection, hurt, abandonment, shame? I don't understand it, but I believe that the end game creates a glorious reflection of the Son of Man. Can we pray? Lord, this only works if you come. In Jesus' name. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Today, I've tried to simplify uh, context and simplify context and simplify context. Uh, I only have two points today. How do you forgive like Jesus? That's the question that I'm asking today. How is it that we are capable of doing this ridiculous action? Because it's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. It's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. Forgive as you've been forgiven. That's my first point today. You have to forgive as you've been forgiven. Forgive as you've been forgiven. I I don't, I can't, give someone something that I haven't experienced. I can't, I can't preach to you guys and share the gospel with you if I haven't first experienced Jesus in my prayer time. I, I can't tell someone about a country that I've never been to before. I, I can't tell you about how, how cool Disney is or if I haven't gone there. I can't tell you how rad this new song is if I haven't heard it. I, I have to experience it first. And if you're going to be able to forgive others, you have to be mindful that you've actually done something wrong. No, something eternally wrong. Something that would separate you from eternity. Friends, none of us deserve heaven. We have lied. We have hurt people we loved. We have lost our temper. There has been, you may have lived a perfect life, but the one moment that you lost your temper on your kids may be the thing that they remember the most. As I counsel with people on a weekly basis, oftentimes their reflection of their parents comes from the one moment where dad lost his cool and they can't get over that. It's engraved in their mind. It was one sin. It was one mistake. Yet we've lost it. We've overeaten We've, we've lied, we've coveted, we've taken, we've perverted, we've done wrong. And a holy God that has reserved his home for people he loves and trusts. We don't deserve to get in there. Many of us are assumptively believing that we're in. And we're always in. It was designed for me and I, I deserve this. No, it was designed for Jesus. And he is bringing us in because his love for us because of what he's done for us and how he's changing us, how he's changing us, how he's changing us. It starts with the reality that we can receive forgiveness, recognizing that what we have done wrong in our life, sometimes we don't even see it as sin to us, but I want you to understand, it hurt God. That's what sin is. It's something that hurts 
God. He sees, he understands what pride can do and the damage that it does. It understands that it's puffed up and that it's strong and that it's opinionated and it's hurtful to him. We can't give forgiveness if we don't first need it. And so I'm recognizing on a daily basis, today again, a God I coveted. I chose not to give out of fear that I didn't have enough to allow someone else to know love. Today, God, I lusted. I was perverted. I took advantage of someone. I chose not to make time for someone that had need in their life. I was rushed because of my agenda, and I forgot about yours, Lord. Forgive me of my trespasses. The Lord's Prayer says, as I forgive those that have trespassed against me. Colossians would say it this way. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Forgive one another. If you have, have any grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. You have to receive God's forgiveness. And on a daily basis, the concept of the Lord's Prayer is that our, part of our daily bread is asking God to restore us, to wash off the pain of yesterday, the mistakes of yesterday, so we don't enter into today with what we did wrong yesterday. We would start over with a fresh slate, and part of that is also letting go of the things that people said and did wrong yesterday so it stays in the past. Now, the crazy thing is that I recognize that forgiveness uh, sometimes feels like it's only from these massive situations, but some of the hardest things for us to recognize that we need to forgive are the little ones, the little ones, like the coworker who is constantly just a jerk or is constantly just selfish or constantly just putting themselves first. And what happens is, when you are shorted, or they said something about you to your boss that you felt like you didn't do, you create an opinion of that person that prevents you from doing your responsibility and your role as a carrier of God's spirit in that line of office. And so God had given you that line of work for a reason. He put you next to that person that wasn't godly to begin with so that you can love them. But when they slide at you, you cast judgment on them and now your mission of them has changed, creating them from someone that you desired to love to someone now that you choose to stay away from. And the problem with this is we miss the whole mission and purpose of why God put us at that job to begin with. And we thought it was just so we can make money. He can get you money from anywhere under the sun. You're with those people because he needs you to love them and act like Christ around them. Sometimes it's the little people that we've judged that we don't forgive. Holy moly, a whole sermon yet. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison, hoping that the other person gets sick. What happens is, is that we rehearse scenarios in our brain of, 
of what we'll say to them in the moment that we can to tell them of all the ways that they're wrong. The problem is the only person that's affected by it is you. I was hurt by a leader in the church one day. And uh, a, a leader in the church, they, they made a decision. I took it personal. It felt personal. It affected my family. And in doing so, I cut them off. In cutting them off on a daily basis, it hurt. And it hurt. And they didn't even know that they had done something that hurt me. But in my mind, I thought, that's, that kind, that's the way that person is. That's the kind of people they are. People need to stay away from that, that person. And all of it was the role of the enemy to keep me in a scenario that I am the only prisoner in this moment. Father, forgive them for they didn't know what they were doing. He didn't know what he did. And I couldn't let go of the words they said or the things that they didn't even intend to do. Love like Jesus. I think of another scenario. Man, I've got to go through this quickly. It happens. Forgiveness can be so difficult, especially when it happens on a small level, consistently, in your life. For example, family can be the hardest people to forgive. Many people today are praying on getting married. In marriage can be one of the hardest places to walk and operate in the commandment of God. Not because the person is wrong or mean or hurtful, but it feels that way when you said you weren't going to do that again. You said you weren't going to say that. You said you weren't going to do that. And I don't understand because I trusted you again. But the reason why we have to forgive as we've been forgiven is you have to understand that yesterday when I entered into prayer with Jesus, I also told Jesus that I wasn't going to do that again. I wasn't going to covet anymore, Lord. Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm not going to act that way anymore. And here I am again today. And yet, he didn't hang it over my head. He forgave me. How can I not duplicate the same love that I just received? This is why you need Christ in your relationship. Because there's going to be times where your partner doesn't know how to approach God if it's not for you. And there's going to be some times you don't know how to approach your partner had it not been for the love that God has shown you. You, you need to bring Christ into every relationship. Peter said, Jesus, okay, I get it. We need to forgive people. How many times? Seven times? No, 70 times seven. Like, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Stop counting. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Just forgive them. You're going to have to open yourself back up to being hurt, knowing that Jesus put himself before Pilate. And, and Pilate said, I have the power to release you. And Jesus said, no, you would have no power if my father didn't give it to you. I know what you're about to do, and I, I'm, I'm letting you. That's what love is. I know you're going to let me down. I know you're going to hurt me. Listen, as your pastor, I'm telling you, I'm so proud to be your pastor. Let me tell you what that's going to happen eventually. I'm going to let you down. And those of you that see the office of a minister in the highest regard are going to miss it the most. When you exalt people above the office of Jesus, 
you stand for the greatest ability to find heartbreak. No, we don't find love from anyone like we find from Jesus. Forgive as you've been forgiven. The second one is simple. It's not simple. Pray for those who hurt you. Here's, here's, here, Jesus would say it this way in Matthew chapter 5. Stay with me in Matthew chapter 5. He says, you've heard it said this way, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I'm telling you to love your enemies. He said, you've heard it said. Why is it that he knows that you've heard it said? Because you've heard it said, and you've heard it said, and you've heard it said, and you've heard it said. We've all understand that when people hurt you, you don't put those people in your life. Get away from people. Be as safe as you can. That's not Jesus. I love the story of the missionary Jim Elliott. He was, he was a missionary who wanted to take the gospel to, to like the world of like people who didn't hear the gospel. And, and he knew that like these people are radical and they'll probably murder him because they didn't understand cultural like awareness. They kill people and crazy things. And he came there to love them and give them gifts and they murdered him. And when his wife found out the news, she pursued those same people with the idea that I'm going to minister and show them Christ. And she won that whole village to Christ, Elizabeth Elliot. And like, like the, enemy, the people that hurt us, and sometimes it happens in your marriage or with your parents or with your siblings or with your aunt and uncle at the Thanksgiving table. We think that the people that have hurt us the most are the ones that we should oppose and keep our boundaries from. And I'm telling you, that's, we didn't learn that from Jesus. What we see in Jesus is that we love people that hurt us. And we pray for our enemies. Guys, I'm not telling you this is easy. Forgiveness isn't a feeling. You're not going to one day wake up and go, I think that I feel like I need to forgive today. It's a choice. You have to decide today, I am going to not walk in yesterday. I am going to choose today. And, and what happens is you make a decision and your heart follows. And it takes time. And the way that I've learned it is to pray for my enemies. And I pray for those that hurt me, whether they did it intentionally or unintentionally. But I don't have enemies. I only have people that God has sent me to. Or I'm not the light of the world. Rachel, would you come? Bless those who curse you and pray for those who hurt you. And, and, and so I, I'd say this. If there's someone in your life that, that, that has hurt you continually, today may be the day that you open up your checkbook and, and send them some, some New York football Giants tickets, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> pastors let you down, you can... 50-yard line, that's where he likes to be. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Listen, um, we bless those who curse us because that's the way Jesus loved me. I cursed him. He blessed me. And maybe you don't understand your perspective of what we've done with our sin to Jesus. But we've done him wrong. We have forgotten him. 
Some of us, it may have been two weeks since we've even prayed. That's hurtful to someone that loves you. And so how do you pray for those that have hurt you? Well, my dad, um, when I was a, a child, I remember at three years old, see, uh, what you need to know is that pain has a memory. Um, and so what is crazy is about the way that we're wired is that we remember pain far more than we remember uh, love. And so what's crazy is because my childhood was so broken that like the first six years of my life, I don't remember laughing. I remember being beat with a fly swatter at the age of two. I remember being whipped. I remember being hurt. I remember my daddy drinking. I remember the first time that I had alcohol at the age of two. I remember my dad being doped up. I remember my dad passing out and, and throwing up on himself. I, I, I only remember things that hurt. Um, and, and the hard thing is that we're wired in a way to run from pain, to protect ourselves. That's why it's so important that we find forgiveness so that, that those things don't happen. When, the, when I came to Christ and I understood the concept that I have to forgive those that hurt me, I had convinced myself for years that I didn't have unforgiveness towards my dad. I didn't care. And then I found out he was dying, and I was so happy. Good. Wait, what did you just say? And I had to start praying for him. And I want you to know when you begin to pray for those that have hurt you, sometimes it's hard, and the prayers can start short. But if you know you have unforgiveness to someone, then you have to make it your goal to pray for them every day. And so uh, today you may be praying for them that they get gonorrhea. <laughs> But tomorrow, we're going to pray that they get healing from gonorrhea. You have to learn to lift them up. And you have to learn to pray that God blesses them. And that God gives them joy. And that God puts people in their life that will show them who Jesus is. And that God will, will, will honor them and lift them up. And that God, like, we pray for those that hurt us. And if there's one thing I know, that I'm sitting in a room of people... That if God's desire is to make you like him, you've been hurt. You've been shorted and you've been rejected. And sometimes it's by the people that you love the most. And that's, that hurts and I'm sorry. But that just means that you're the best candidate to reflect Jesus. Pray for those. So how does it work? It's um, as I choose to pray for those that, that have hurt me, what I've learned is that um, as I'm praying for these individuals, I'm realizing that they may not change, but I do. Because the, the objective of, for God on my life is for me to love the world. I can't let the hurt remain. Not only is it going to cause you to judge other people that you think act like that and keep more people out of your life. And so what happens is, as an American especially, we're guarded. We have walls upon walls upon walls upon walls, all to keep us safe. And what happens is, it doesn't actually keep you safe. It just, it just, it's just a cage to prevent you from doing what God's calling you to do. You have a mission, and that's love this world, to reach the lost while they have a chance 
And we don't do that when, we've, when there's hurt. When you choose to pray for those that hurt you, you're the one that gets changed. Would you all bow your heads and close your eyes? Today, um, I've been interceding and praying with a team of people to, to believe that God would move in this moment. And I know that some of you, you have a coworker that just is, it gets under your skin and you ain't prayed for them. You, you, you gotta change your perspective of that that's your mission, not your enemy. There are some deep wounds that happened as a child in your life. I understand. I've been there. And we're going to dig them up because I want God to move in my life. And if you want to get hungry for Jesus' spirit in your life, listen, I believe this upon I believe this. I, I, if you want to find revival today, you want a radical encounter with God, make the decision today to forgive someone that hurts you. And the spirit of Jesus gets all over that.